What is up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Lockdown Cavs podcast with my co-host, Evan Demerol. We're coming to you late on Sunday night after Cleveland lost to Golden State in what will go down as the Clay Thompson return game, but obviously the Cavs were on the other side of that. That is all coming up today on Lockdown Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to let everyone know that today's show is your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms. Go please hit that subscribe on YouTube. We're almost to 1,000. Help us get there by going and subscribing on YouTube today if you haven't already. Okay, Evan, Cavs lose to the Golden State Warriors on Sunday night, 96-82, a game that got pretty uncompetitive, if I will say so, in the second half, got you know within 10-ish late, but never totally felt like the Cavs were going to come back in this one. We're going to do in this show big picture takeaways in the second one. We're going to dive into the rebounding and Lowry marketing issues in the second one, in the second segment. And then third segment, we're going to talk about Taco Fall being waived and the Cavs signing Brandon Goodwin to a two-way contract to fill that spot. So, Evan, your, what's kind of your big look takeaway from, from Cavs dubs round two of this season? Uh, the Cavs are really getting worked on boards, especially in the offensive glass, giving people way too many second chance opportunities. I talked about this in the lockdown now. So if you happen to come listen to this episode, thank you for making us your first listen. If you're checking us out on YouTube, thank you for making us your first watch of the day. But it's really, it really became evident. Like it came to a head tonight against Golden State. Uh, it's, you should never give up second chance opportunities like no duh in any conventional sense of basketball, especially against a team like Golden State, where they have arguably the greatest shooter of all time, Stephen Curry, and Clay Thompson's back, who's no slouch either. And Clay looked pretty good. Like the great game overall. Like that's my other takeaway is like it's just good to have Clay Thompson back in the league. Um, my other takeaway is, and this doesn't really a surprise. I've kind of felt this way for a while. Like I just throw up my shoulders and shrug. Like I'm not going to get too emotionally invested in these losses like this. I just think the Cavs are a young, fun team and they clearly aren't an NBA finals caliber roster like golden state. And I think this is the first time they played like a truly healthy contending squad this year. And this is their worst loss in Darius Garland's worst game of the season. That's just pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, I, I look, I think this game is one of those barometer tests. Like, I think, number one, I felt like the Cavs just the whole game were really searching for for consistency, right? Like, I think we looked through this whole game and it's like Cleveland is trying to just settle itself. This team is trying to, like, kind of deal with, you know, some of the, the stuff Golden State throws you. I mean, I thought that was one of the things that was notable with Evan Mobley in this game was just like he is trying to figure some of this out as he goes. And looked a little confused at times. Looked a little overwhelmed at times. I thought this. I thought the the Warriors putting Wiggins on Garland from the jump was like okay. Like we we saw what you did to us last time. Remember the first time these two teams played in Cleveland, Darius Garland dueled Stephen Curry for really the first half of that game, and he was amazing. And this one, a little more stifled. The Golden State was kind of pre rotating a couple guys over his way, trying to say, okay, we're gonna show three guys at you. We, we don't trust you to, we don't, we, you know, let Larry Market and shoot, let Lamar Stevens shoot, like let Rajon Rondo shoot in the corner. Like we don't care. Darius, give us the ball or attack three guys. Like it's, pick your poison. And neither of these options are particularly good right now. Golden State 
I think just clearly much, much better. Golden State, you know, shocker, one of the best teams in the league. Clay, they clearly benefited, I think, probably some energy bump from getting Clay back. Um, and, you know, him playing 20 minutes and and that dunk that he had was pretty cool and stuff. But, like, you know. Well, that dunk was cat- filthy, man. I didn't yeah. know he had that in his bag, especially after a tour to Achilles. I was just like, oh. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah. Like I like, held my breath when he came down at first. I'm like, yeah. Please land normally. And yeah, was, you know, he came back fine. Yeah, like he beat Jared Allen off the dribble, and it was Jared Allen like kind of leaning, but he still was able to like react real quickly and get that dunk off. That was that was pretty good. Like, and look, Golden State just like has guys that I think like would clearly be a rotation of guys on Cleveland's team. They're just deeper than Cleveland. I think that's part of this too. Um, like. Otto Porter Jr., Juan Toscano Anderson, Gary Payton II, Jordan Poole, these are all guys who come off the bench for Golden State who be playing, like, I think, real minutes if you put them on Cleveland's roster. Like, those are good NBA players, and the Cavs are just kind of, like, a little thin. Uh, you know, Lamar Stevens, partially to injury, but, like, Lamar Stevens, who played well. Like, we should talk about him a little bit, but he played 34 minutes in this game. Like, that is not – he's not a 34 minutes a game NBA player if we're, nah. we're kind of keeping it, keeping well, it straight though. here. Yeah, no, he played well, but it's like, again, Lamar Stevens playing 34 minutes on, and again, he deserves credit. He was eight of 11, 17 points. Cavs were, he was one of only the few, a few Cavs who kind of like looked kind of competent offense. Rondo somehow was three, three from three and six of 10 um, from the field overall, which just feels bizarre to me. But like, this is just, I think, one of those reminders that the Cavs still have some growing up to do. They're not quite as deep as I think we would like. And look, this was learning through it. I think when Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and Jared Allen and these young guys get to look, go back and look at the tape and they get to kind of process this, they're certainly, I think, going to feel uh, they're, they're going to learn something from this. This is like one of those like, okay, like the older, more experienced, really good team kicks you in the teeth a little bit and you kind of learn from it and, and you hopefully figure something out from it because, you know, like it just – was clearly like a, a step down for Golden State to to just against Cleveland for what they are right now. Um, you know, notable I would I would just say again Cleveland still kind of down some guys. Kevin Love didn't play well in this one, so there's there some things that didn't break right. But you know, certainly kind of an energyless performance I think in a lot of ways aside from some pot. There there like were some ups obviously, but a, a lot of downs more than some positives. Yeah, there, there there are a lot of downs if you really like break down the tape and the nitty gritty of this game. But again, I'm not too pressed about this one. Um, I think this is just a fun game overall. It's good to have Clay Thompson back, like I said. Uh, there's like fun individual performances. Darius Garland was a huge bummer, but like you said, I think Golden State. This might be hot takey on my part, but they feel like the first team who really scouted the fact, like you said, they threw Andrew Wiggins and they kept throwing length at Darius Garland just to frustrate him throughout the night. And like he defended Steph Curry at times well. And like the team defended Steph Curry at times well. He was red hot in the first quarter, then kind of tapered off a little bit, but doesn't wasn't really necessary when the rest of the Warriors just kind of came to play. But I think the Warriors like fully understood, like, listen, the Cavs like bread and butter play is a pick and roll between Darius and Jarrett, and it's an easy lob, or Jarrett gets the ball and Jarrett tries the up and under move or one of his few post moves he has in his bag in order to just try and get an easy bucket. And, like, the Warriors just walled the Cavs off and said, okay, try and beat us with shooting because, like, marketing is kind of non-existent from the perimeter right now. Darius was 2-7 of seven on the night. Rajon Rondo, which is weird to say, was the Cavs' best shooter, 3-3 three of three on the night, which you don't will not get on a night-to-night basis. <laughs> no. And... I don't know. I, I'm. I think there's a lot of things. I'm more interested to see how they respond against Sacramento on Monday night because this is kind of a tough loss. One you kind of take on the chin, and then you're now heading into Sacramento and playing a pretty bad Kings team. If you lay down and look 
pretty bad against Sacramento. I think that's more of a red flag than hanging close. And I mean, it's a 14 point loss, but like the, the Cavs were realistically in this one for the better part of the game. Like that's a small consolation prize. Again, no moral victories at the end of the day, but it's a small consolation prize with a team that's arguably a, a heavy favorite to win the championship this year. Yeah. I don't necessarily, if I agree that it was like, close i i didn't feel like this game once we got out of the first quarter that i felt like but they went like they're within eight with like six minutes to go and I'm, like I, there's it just felt a like small a small chance just, and then yeah, it's it just shut pretty yeah, soon it after. just it, it felt kind of like one of those like fake like lead bumps to me like it felt like one of those like okay this is like nominally close rondo had some moments where it's like okay steph's gonna come back and like lights his i don't there. know man they what that and when they weathered steph's initial assault and kind of stable after the first quarter i'm like okay the they survived like the first test. Yeah, that, that, that was like that was like the that was like the best they played all game, and then it was just kind of like okay, like again, like I just think they look confused. It's a it's a I just think they look. Yeah, I I think as we kind of go here, I think they looked just overwhelmed at times, and I think like again, like, this is a learning experience. And we and we should note if we're going to break that we do not know um, the stat. If Darius has like an injury, we'll see what the injury report says. Probably won't get that until later in the day, just considering this is a back to back because the Cavs do play in Sacramento on Monday. A little more West Coast late night calf stuff, so we'll see. Uh, you know, potentially if there's an injury there to, to to talk about once we know more. We don't know anything as of right now. All right, after the break, we'll get into more of the rebounding issue and talk about Larry Marketing because I think they kind of go hand in hand, but it is what it is. First, want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is wants to let you know that it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier. Make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, perhaps even better than a candy bar. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Built Bar can be that. And there's so many great flavors to choose from coconut almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, and more. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Evan, I want to talk about market and the rebounding as it kind of injunction in kind of a, as a tandem because I don't think like marketing is like to blame for the rebounding issues, but I think it is, it is, I, I think it's like, especially as Evan Mobley is like just getting started and is clearly very thin and like, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. always make like a ton of contact. And I think as we think about like the Cavs playing big, I think like marketing is not like a particularly like physical interior big back. Like, I think of him almost yeah. like a three that happens to be seven feet tall and like that is just like, he's no kevin Durant how he's <laughs> like i i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up his that are seven feet tall i could riff on yeah. this for a bit if you want to pull some well, stuff up yeah but like i i tend to think that like i think he is just not a guy historically like the eye test doesn't tell you he's a good rebounder he actually this year according to cleaning the glass 55th percentile in terms of forwards as far as rebounding percentage goes um that is it's actually lower than his previous years, but he's kind of not playing the four anymore. But when he was like Chicago last two years, not a particularly effective rebounder was much better earlier in his career. I just tend to think that like Allen gobbles up a lot of rebounds. Marketing is okay at it. And it's not something I don't think Mobley is like, it's not what has popped about Mobley either. Mobley in terms of his rebounding rate is like 
under 50 percentile as far as bigs go, um, 19 percent in terms of offensive rebounds, you know, kind of about league average off of free throws on defensive rebounds. So like they're they're kind of just like fine. And like that's I think I feel like especially against a team like Golden State that is so energetic and is scrambling you, if you just can't at least like lock down the rebounds, you're kind of losing some of the benefit in theory of like being this like big team. Yeah, I think a Darius Garland pointed this out a while ago and Darius Florida with the triple double, um, maybe like 10 games ago or so. He said it's more of a product of their system because they play a three, seven footers. They're supposed to kind of more or less box out the opponents and prevent them from getting crashing the glass and getting easy boards because yeah, in theory, you shouldn't be able to really out rebound three, seven footers sharing the floor at the same time. Or when you have Lamar Stevens out there too, he, is pretty large for the two card position. We'll just put it that way. And yeah. so that's like people like Rondo, people like Rubio, people like Darius. I'm sure Colin had some good rebounding numbers as well before he went down with the season with his knee injury. So it's a product of Cleveland system. But like you said, Larry Markinen has the God given abilities of a seven foot player. He traditionally speaking is a power forward center caliber player. He has really played power forward this season for the Cavs. Like you said, he is their starting three. Um, but he just does not like play with any physicality. Like he is not a post threat whatsoever. Like, like I said, in the last few games, you really notice there's a bit of a jump when the Cavs kind of sub out marketing for love midway into the first or so, or like maybe when there's eight minutes left in the first quarters and they usually sub love in for marketing. And you notice there's a little bit of a bump, at least because Kevin's a lot more physical. Kevin can kind of crash the glass a little bit. He can bump and bang with some of the bigger guys and maybe some of the other teams will put on him because you can mask Mark and you can mask like either your worst defensive player. You can mask somebody who's like not really a huge threat offensively on Mark and pretty wells too. Um, And I just, I don't know if we're kind of starting to stretch out this three big lineup to its limit here. And I'm not suggesting that could do I, I don't. Think not I think we're at its limit. Yeah, I think we. It is what it is. I, there's a. There's a. There's also a guy that I want to p- continue. I'm interrupting. I'm being a jerk. No, you're fine, dude. Um, I'm starting to question the like the the. I think it's a wrinkle the Cavs can run. Absolutely, I think it is something that they are going to stick to. But it is also their offensive identity. I don't think you can dramatically shift things and say, okay, we are going to go Darius Garland. Let's say Rajon Rondo. Lamar Stevens, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen tomorrow night in Sacramento and play a little bit more of a traditional style of basketball. Even Lamar is a three and a power forwards body, if that makes sense. Because like he has the, the the physical capabilities of a small forward, but he has the skill set of a power forward. Um I don't think they're gonna do that because JB has walked this out so far. We're at the halfway mark tomorrow, I want to say. I think they're 41 games into the season. They will be 41 games into the season, so they will be officially at the halfway mark, and the Cavs are sticking to this big, big-ass big lineup that JD likes to call it. I don't think he's going to walk it back at this point. So I wonder what other options they have. And I asked JB about this post game because like Larry was non effective on offense. He had one three pointer and just kind of like an, like a blip in the radar. Um, people are obviously kind of chopping at the bit for some type of dramatic change. I agree. I think maybe Dean Wade should get some of Larry's minutes because I think Dean Wade could be just, you know, just see what you have. Just roll it out there. You're guaranteed his contract for a reason. He's going to be here for at least until the trade deadline. If he's used his trade fodder, so be it. But, I'm just, I don't know, man. I i think it's reached its limit with the big lineup, but I don't think the Cavs can walk it back at this point. 
but it really is concerning to see three seven footers share the floor and they get worked on the glass by Steph. Cur- I mean, Kevon Looney was awesome tonight for the Warriors. Nine offensive boards, nine defensive rebounds. But when like Steph Curry has three offensive rebounds, who is just a hair above six foot tall, and you have two to three seven footers manning the paint at any given moment, that's unacceptable. Um, I think that I don't know. I don't know if there's like an easy quick fix, but maybe you try and put in somebody who's a little bit more physical who could play a little harder than marketing does because I think you're spot on by saying like he is a he has the skill set and physical ability of a small forward, but he does not have the capabilities of a small forward to play that style of play the Cavs won. But at the same time, I don't think they can walk this back half at the halfway point in the season. I mean, I think you could, if you had the person, I think if there was an easier upgrade, like if you had. Well, that's the other issue, too, is they have no like depth you, on the perimeter. Yeah, they don't have, this is like a not deep team. Like, sneakily, this is a very not deep team. Um, I think there's, here's two, here's two things I would, I would say about this. Number one, I think this is like another area where they missed Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio, um, in cr- yeah. terms of rebound percentage, in terms of how many defensive rebounds he's getting relative to his position. 87th percentile uh, this year. Storka has always been a really good defensive rebounder among among guards and combo guards. Just like they don't, that's not what Darius does. I, you know, I, I think even like Okoro, who I think has the frame and like the physicality to be a good rebounder, like has n- did not do it well last year. He's a little bit more this year, but it's still like a pretty inconsequential number as far as how it compares to other wings. I, I think if we're looking at like an easier tweak, and I'm almost kind of surprised to some degree, like YJB wouldn't do this. I kind of wonder if we could, if you could see an adjustment where it's just okay. Darius Garland crashes the glass. The guard, like everyone, is just, it's like gang rebounding and just trying to get as many rebounds as you possibly can by having guys crash the glass to just get the ball. And like, there's downsides to that. Certainly, you know, you can if there's an offensive rebound, you can kind of your defensive matchups can get kind of overwhelmed. There's certainly. And I think, like, it also, if the Cavs, if you want to create easy baskets, like, you have to kind of toe that line of, okay, we want to get the fast break going, but we also want to, like, you have to just kind of weigh that, like, okay, can we get going or can we not on the offensive end for not getting rebounds? Kevin Love is rebounding really well. Jared Allen's rebounding well, a little bit lower than he normally does. But you could kind of, I think, throw that up to some lineup stuff. I think they missed Rubio. Mo- Mobley will have to grow win, I think, to being a more dominant defensive rebounder. That will be part of his game. And I, frankly, I would like to see Okoro, I think, just kind of be a guy that maybe crashes the glass more. I think that is a way to kind of like just get him, I really use his do frame, think, use his hustle. Sorry to cut you off. I really do think the lack of Okoro tonight hurt the Cavs a lot, too. Yeah, for sure, because it's, it's a point of attack thing. Of like, he mitigates a lot of those sloppy offensive boards for like smaller players on the opposing team just kind of taking advantage of maybe the Cavs clunkiness right now. Yeah. And just look a note on Darius in this regard, Darius Garland having an all-star caliber season, you know, maybe not his best game Sunday, but I think overall having a really, really good season never has been a defensive rebounder as, as compared to guards first year in the league, um, which is obviously a weird year for him, but bottom, you know, zero, zero percentile according to clean the glass and defensive rebounding right off of field goals. Fifth uh, last year, he was in the fifth percentile. He's again in the fifth percentile this year. That is not something he has done. That is not something that is in his game. That is, you know, like point guards obviously are not going to rebound like quite near quite as much as other guards. Rubio obviously is kind of like one of the high end guys of this. Um, John Morant on the other end of it is like this year he's in the 86th percentile of guards in terms of defensive rebounding rate. Like I just wonder if there's a way to like okay Darius crash the glass, Isaac crash the glass. You can get more rebounds that way. 
Because if you don't trust market into rebound, and like you know, I'm willing to give a little bit of him a little bit of like leeway just because like if he's defending wings, that's just a little harder to track those guys down as a seven footer. Like this is one of the downsides of that that lineup, probably. I think there is just some trickiness here, but I think there are little tweaks you can make with guys crashing and just kind of trying to, even if it costs you like pace, even if it costs you a little bit of a chance to get out in, in transition, I wonder if it's worth it to just try to grab some rebounds. And, and But but again, like the Cavs, like last time we looked at this, were like 15th and giving up offensive rebounds. Like you'd like that to certainly, I think, be better. But maybe over mm-hmm. time, you know, once, you know, once Evan Mobley is 15 pounds heavier next season, once you know, you've rounded out your roster with different kinds of pieces. I wonder if that fixes itself to some degree, but I don't know. But I mean, after the break, uh, let's talk a mm-hmm. little bit more about Lowry because we kind of just sped past him. And we'll talk about Brandon Goodwin and Taco Fall, but you're going to tell everyone first about our friends at Bet Online. Absolutely. Bet Online would like to wish you all a happy new betting year as we begin our march to playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts in the exclusive betting partner of the locked on podcast network. Evan, what do you just as far as Lowry's shooting goes? Do you where is if you're JB and I, you know he you asked him about this he gave a very coach answer. He didn't really like he's never going to throw the guy under the bus. I understand that. No, but but I can't in terms Matt of Robinson, this one right, get him to directly answer me. I'm working well, on it. Okay, but in terms of like his his ability as a shooter, like what do uh-huh. you? Do you how much do you buy what JB is saying of like defensive basically like t- the TLDR being like okay he has a lot of defensive responsibility and the guard stuff has changed so it's harder for him to get into spots like how much of that do you buy as like a real reason why he's struggling? I don't. I just think he's kind of rushing. It looks like Markin is rushing his shot more often than not when he's out there. Like he gets a look. Like he gets good clean looks from the perimeter and he just rushes it and bricks it or he misses it. And like he makes them every now and then when he's in rhythm. Like I think it was. Off of a Rondo pass, I can look it up while I'm talking here, but it was off of a Rondo dime, yeah, where he got like a clean look from three and it was in rhythm. It was off a pick and pop. Like, I think the Cavs need to find more ways to get him involved that way. We talked about this when they played Portland, we talked about this when they played Memphis, but the Cavs are also making a more concerted effort to kind of get him going on the interior, too, to maybe just make him feel a little bit more comfortable offensively. If you just were hell bent, no, no, no more post ups. Just no I want to ban no. Lowry, Lowry, Mark, and post ups. Pick and rolls or, or run him off of two screens, have him curl off of some screens. But yep. I, I, if I could ban Evan, one thing about having to watch this Cavs team, just that I think is like, if I was to just be like one thing that could make their lives easier, is they kind of go hand in hand. Secondly, too, so I'm cheating. Don't post Lowry, marketing. And when Evan Mobley gets a post up, stop just like running it as like a static thing. Don't just like stand and watch. The Cavs do so much of just standing and watching, and like it's it makes their offense I think kind of kind of be kind of sludgy and blood at times where it could be a little more dynamic if you like lean into Moby's potential as a passer and like throw in some movement in there. Like it's just low hanging fruit for a team that needs as much low hanging fruit as they can. In my mind, I'm an idiot, but I think that like there's something to that. Yeah, it's just. <sighs> 
Like marketing should not post. No, uh, he, he should. should we agree on that. I'm just yeah. thinking of like if the Cavs are hell bent and determined because I can't make the argument that like you can't bench marketing. You you could you could in theory if but they I don't have think a thirty million dollar player coming off the bench because like you can't use the money argument because Kevin Love is making more money than I'll ever see in my life this year. I I just do you, do you, do you think that they have like a reasonable like like if they're gonna say okay we're gonna not start marketing like no. In, Poster, I, don't. I don't think I don't think there's like a reasonable thing. I think again that speaks to the like lack I said, of that. they can't walk back this whole offensive identity. This happens in the let's say the Cavs make a big swing move and let's say they get like a Jalen Brown and a Brandon Ingram. They say this is our starting three and we'll start a Coro at the two or Sexton if he's still here at the two. And then you bring Mark and off the bench if he happens to be here. That's fine. I just don't think you can do this in the middle of the season because this is like your fundamental offensive core belief. And it'd be really hard for this. I think the Cavs, I mean, I don't think it'd be really hard for them personally to walk it back, but I think it'd just be hard for them to like undo a lot of what they've built over the first 40 games this season. But my answer to it is if marketing is just kind of being deterred out there, Give Kevin Love. I mean, okay, maybe not give Kevin Love more minutes because we're, we're you're on a minutes watch with Kevin Love. But why be afraid to not look at the Dean Wade? The, the Cavs have some solid enough depth pieces on their bench. Like they're, they're starting Lamar Stevens for a reason. Um, they could have easily started Rajon Rondo and kind of condensed their lineup or started Jetty Osmond instead. But JB wants to keep certain players in certain roles. Dean Wade mm-hmm. cannot play 35 minutes a night, much like Lamar Stevens cannot play 35 minutes a night. But if you want to give him like 10 to 15 of Mark and his minutes on a given night, if Mark and his shot isn't falling and Dean Wade happens to respond well, roll with it. Or if Dylan Windler continues to play this well, such high energy and like he, I'll look up his numbers, but like he wasn't largely like he wasn't an absolute sniper from three point range against Golden State. But he finished the night one of four from three. So at least he's attempting them and at least he's making them. And I think if Windler is on, you can give some of the minutes to him as well. Like you have to kind of mitigate and give it all. So don't give it all to Kevin Love. But I think you shouldn't be afraid to give him the Dean Wade. It's just kind of TLDR. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Windler's also shown a little bit of something. So let's like show him. I think he's just been. A oh, no. Better. I said this during the game. Like he keeps playing with like a lot of energy and he's just making the right play if that makes and he, sense and he took a couple threes tonight we were like oh yep. like dylan's dylan's just gonna fire now that that's good yeah that's fine like there's the, he's shooting it because the Cavs need to get back into this game you're like all right that's a smart thing but i think he's kind of making a case where when a comes back it, it we're about a weekend of a being out with his injury at this point um Maybe like if it a week or two, Okoro is for sure back after his elbow sprain. I think Winler can make a case to maybe get some fringe minutes, especially if you're trying to ease Isaac back into the rotation and everything. But yeah, man, like you, I think you have options you need to explore because I don't think this Cavs season is dead in the water. This is just the loss no. of the war. Again, shrug my shoulders. I think people are being dramatic because Twitter is a hellscape and I logged off for the night. But um yeah, this loss to the Warriors sucks. I think people are making more out of it than it is because this rivalry really wasn't about Cleveland and the Warriors. It was about LeBron and the Warriors. But if Merkinen continues to be kind of ineffective like he has been, like you could look at his box score and say, okay, he wasn't bad. But like if you actually like eye test it, you're like, oh my God, Larry Merkinen is bad at times. And you can see why Chicago fans were so frustrated with him at times. A lot like Detroit fans are frustrated with Andre Drummond. Maybe we should listen to opposing fans more often, hot take. But, um, yeah, just don't be afraid to give like Dean Wade some minutes. It's just 
my the crux of my argument. Dean Wade also about a rebounder statistically yeah, than better defender uh, too. La- yeah, last news of the day. Brandon Goodwin is now signed to a two-way deal with the Cavs. Uh, you have Taco Fall being waived. Evan, I I don't have a ton to say. I think that you know wish Taco well. I I think Goodwin is just clearly like a better, more useful depth piece for this Cavs team right now. He was better than Kevin Pangos when he was here. The the cap mechanics of Pangos on guaranteed money kind of made this the way to keep him. I get it. I, you know, I think Taco is certainly intriguing from the height standpoint and stuff, but I think Goodwin's just better depth, and I, I don't have much else to say other than that. No, I absolutely agree. Like, I think he's good depth, like you said. He has out Kevin Pangos more often than not. I mean, even when Darius came back from health and safety protocols, Goodwin played over Pangos for the entire game. This is before Rondo was available. It was against Memphis. And I, I like Goodwin. I think he's a little juice to his game. I think this is a good opportunity for the Cavs to keep exploring further. Um, I asked around. I don't think Taco will be with the Cleveland Charge after he was waived. No. I think a team will probably scoop him up on a 10-day deal or something like that. Um, it's fun. I think I wish Taco the best, like you said. I think I got really uncomfortable with how like he became a mascot. And I think he became uncomfortable with it, but he also just appreciated fans showing him so much love and support. Like I understand the novelty of seeing a seven foot six player with freakishly long wingspan, but at the same time, like he is a professional basketball player, not your mascot for your entertainment. But uh, the taco, the taco times were fun. Um, I he made the charge games I attended when covering them for either write down Euclid and didn't kick the mic, punch the mic this time, folks, but I kicked the table to shake the webcam. But um, I wish him the best. He'll get scooped up by another team. I'm sure we'll see he's playing in like uh, some Spanish league in two or three years. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't really think he's a viable like NBA caliber rotation player. Maybe yeah, he ends we'll up in Detroit and plays a bull bull at the same time. And bull bull starts at the three and taco starts at the four or five. Yeah, good lord on that front. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of Lockdown Cavs. A ton of other great stuff happening in the NBA right now. So if you want a great second listen, honestly, I'm going to shout out Lockdown Grizzlies. John Moran had one of, I think, the best block of the NBA season on Sunday night. Shonda Uh, Coleman doesn't deserve any love. Shonda Coleman deserves all the love. Are you kidding me? Love Sean Coleman. Go check out Locking Grizzlies. And look, if you, want, if you want if you want another second listen that's a little more gambling focused, may I suggest Locked on Bets, your boy Q, gambling expert Lee Sterling, giving you all of the insight you need to, you know, understand what sports betting is all about and what's going on there right now. Until next time, it's been Locked on Cavs. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about Cavs Kings and some other stuff after that one. Uh, TBD and exactly when we'll get that up, just as a heads up, just because of the West Coast Cavs of it all. But until next time, it's been Locked on Cavs on Chris. That's Evan. Be well. Peace.